You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I am Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He is James Hardigan. Happy Kindness Day, Joe. For one day only, I'll be kind to you. Does this extend all the way into the uh, EPT Online today, too? Yeah, absolutely. For wow, one okay. day only. I'm excited. I'm going to bring this up on, on the stream. Coming up on this week's show. Doesn't EPT- his beard look lovely today? Doesn't he have such soft hair? Don't you just want to hug him? Yes, Am I yes, taking this yes. too far? I wish I could hug myself. Coming up on this week's show, EPT Retro was back. Now it's gone forever or at least for another 10 years, but it's out with the old and in with the new. And I'm not just talking about the U S elections. I'm talking about a new stop on the EPT EPT cyber EPT online. Exciting stuff. So on today's show, we're going to close out EPT retro with our final thoughts, tie it up in a neat, tiny little bow, leave it behind for future generations to strip our new old commentary off of it when they're desperate for content in 2055 i'll tell you what joe in the year 2020 standard definition poker barely barely was acceptable for people to watch so come 2055 it's going to be like when you look at like black and white silent footage that was shot in like 16 frames per second people are going to consider it to be like a curiosity they're not going to be generating streams out of it either that or they're going to have that thing from that denzel washington movie where they can just like go back in time and look at things in real time. Yes. In high definition. Yes. <laughs> uh, so closing out EPT Retro, we're also going to bring you a few highlights of the one day of EPT online so far. I will say, though, even though it was a day, something happened well worth talking about and something we had literally never seen before. And that's yeah. saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, there is a small bit of poker news we forgot to cover last week. So we will be engaging the poker news stinger in just a bit. I know and, what uh, you did there. Uh, is that, is that what I did? Yeah. See what I did yeah. there. No, sweet. Yeah. Uh, this week's super fan is Alex gray. And she, he, she has challenged me to the office. Um, I will share my thoughts on the rewatch of the office UK. Yep. Sorry yep. to specify a little bit later. Now I said, she is, is Alex gray, a boy or a girl? Because there's an Alex gray who tweets at me sometimes. And she's a grill. This is Alex Gray male. I think I'm thinking of Alex O. Gray. Anyway, uh, before we get going. Yes. Uh, I, I do want to read a message from a young lady named Linda uh, that really meant a lot to me. And I think it will to you too, James. But she did send it. Uh, my DMs are open on Twitter. You you, you, you unfriendly moat having barrier keep. No, I understand. It was a huge mistake. To open <laughs> I was going to say, how's it that working was, out for you? It was worth it. For this one message from Linda, who says, The Joe, other 3,000, not so much, but this one really message. Bad. Really bad. This one almost made up for all the death threats. Okay. <laughs> Joe, I just wanted to thank you for something. In March, I downloaded every single episode of Poker in the Years, and I put it on my iPod. Remember those? So I could listen to it all night, every night during this pandemic and the rest of this crazy political time. Every night for the last eight months, you and your partner have helped me get back to sleep anytime I woke up. Instead of my thoughts going to the hell that surrounds us, it went to your great interviews, wonderfully silly games, and stories from your hilarious life. I just can't tell you what it's meant to me, 
And now the election is over. Even though some fresh hell still awaits me when I wake up in the morning, I know my nights are still going to be mine. Thanks to you guys. I can't thank you enough. That is really nice. Slightly backhanded compliment in the fact that we're being used (laughs) as a kind of sleeping pill. But hey, I'll take it. If we are soporific content, if we are a guaranteed cure for insomnia, I still think we should put that in the billings. James is doing the British thing and not really receiving the compliment, which it is a huge compliment because I will say when I have those nights, I put on the Howard Stern show. Right. Uh, I'm like, it's comforting to me. The noises, the voices, the Howard Stern show is by no means a boring, sleepy time show. It's just something that takes my mind off of things. And Linda, I'm so glad that we could do that for you. And thank you for your message because it touched me. And you know what? Something I forget about James is that everyone in the world is going through what we're going through. Uh, And Linda, we are also going through this and getting messages like this helps us get through it. So that is true. we're happy to be there for you and your message is helping us as well. Thank you okay. very much, Linda, for contacting Joe, who is now promptly closing his DMs because he knows that's the <laughs> only positive message he's going to be receiving in the foreseeable future. Linda's right, though. Uh, the election is over. Hopefully everything and everyone can calm down a little bit. Of course, there's still COVID, but me personally, I'm feeling like a weight was lifted. I'm sleeping better uh, in general now that sort of all that nastiness is hopefully behind us. Yeah. Uh, I did have the chance this week, James, to watch the Mandalorian. I said I would catch up. Yes. So we could chat a little bit. So last week I'd seen the first episode. You hadn't. I've now seen the first two. Last night I watched the one with the frog lady. So are you up to speed with that as well? Yes, I am. And I read yesterday online as we were doing some EPT online rehearsals. um, I knew there was going to be controversy over the second episode really yes do you you not know no i've not read anything about it so i know that we'll try to avoid politics as much as we can in the united states of america a, a, a being's eggs are a really big deal oh my god seriously yeah and as soon as i saw it i was like this is not going to go over well. This is going to be really, really a big deal. And it's not like a huge deal, but someone did notice and someone did complain. Wow. I would never even have thought about that. I thought you were going to say the controversy was that people found the frog lady a bit too Jar Jar Binks, a bit too stupid. I have to say the, the some of the sillier moments in this show are some of my favorites. Dude, but I thought it was fucking brilliant when they hook her up to the robot and it turns out she's not just some kind of silly creature. She's like anyone else that has fully formed logical thoughts and feelings and emotions and isn't this one dimensional thing. I thought that was fucking genius. Yeah. Um, No, I'm enjoying the show very much. So good. I do like those episodes as well, which kind of like take us slightly off the main story arc and become the kind of side quests, if you like. I mean, that's what the show is, I think. Like, that is the show. And that's what I like about the show. You know, what's amazing, though, is Timothy Oliphant plays a marshal. Yep. Obviously justified as a marshal. In Fargo season four, he is also a (laughs) marshal. It's in his contract that he can only play marshals. He has to play a marshal. So there was a rumor flying around about the Mandalorian 
during the first season that apparently it was developed from a concept for a video game, which, when you think about it, does fit with the way in which it is structured. But I I just think that that's coincidence, and I I think speaks more to how video games are generally modelled on TV and movies than how TV and movies are being influenced by video games. Talking of video games, the mini-fridge arrived this week the xbox series x has been installed because of the way my home entertainment setup is structured it has to be on its side it doesn't look as ridiculous or as monstrous it looks fine yeah it's 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 it, it, it's fine it's absolutely fine i'll be honest with you though have not had a chance to actually play anything on oh, it yet you haven't the played it yet only well the only game i have which is what's the word I'm looking for, optimized for yeah. the new Xbox is Dirt 5, which I bought specifically for this console. I've installed it. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. You may be aware, Joe, that we have been live streaming poker every single night from retro to online. Um, I did complete The Witcher, so that's now done and dusted. Okay. So once we come to the end of EPT Online, I'll put some serious time in. The game I'm really looking forward to playing, and I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, is Cyberpunk 2077. That's not out till December. That will be the one which are where I'll really okay. immerse myself. So I know you, and I know that you like toys. You're like me, right? Like You've actually gotten into playing video games again recently. I've been playing, but you're kind of like me in that even just having the toy is enough, right? Like yeah, You yeah, have yeah. it, you look at those shiny things about it, what was the first thing you did to show off to yourself? What is this machine capable of? Did you at least put dirt in there? Um, the first thing I did was actually configure the HDR settings on it because I'm an AV nerd. And then it was test one of my 4K Blu-rays. So I put the shining on to see how that looked in 4K HDR. The answer, very good. It looked good. That's great. Uh, so... My PS4 is supposed to come today. So, Joe, you do realize they've just released the PS5. Sorry, PS5. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. I already my PS4 is already here. Today. I was going to say, no, that would be classic Joe Stapleton mode <laughs> to bought a PS4. My PS5 is supposed to arrive today, but because it's you know such an expensive piece of equipment, they won't just leave it. No, and I'm of afraid not. we're going to be broadcasting when they get here. So if you see me on the broadcast, say like looking off camera multiple times, um, that's going to be my Xbox. I'm sorry. My PlayStation. God damn it, man. Am I an old man? I'm an old man. I also managed to get an Xbox uh, pre-ordered, but I don't get that until the 17th. That's five days away. So, and I went out, James, thank you, by the way, first of all, you're gonna have to send me those HDR settings. Well, (laughs) because the, no, there's, there's, the settings are going to be unique to your viewing environment. The calibration uh-huh. software is very right. simple. It's about pushing the white until you can't can no longer see the gray squares. It's about pushing the blacks till you can no longer okay. see the gray squares. It's, so it's, it's easy. It, absolutely. A, it's okay. easy, but also it's going to be unique to your own viewing environment because it takes into account ambient lighting. I went out on your... I would have never thought of it. Bought some 21 megabits per second hdmi cables also. gotta have good cables it's all about having good cables right let's get this av nerdery off the agenda and let's talk poker news what's going on poker today now it is time for poker in the years news and yes you're right joe we missed well we didn't miss it we were aware of it but forgot to mention it on last week's podcast that yet another streamer has decided to get married spraggy and Marley Cordero 
got engaged. Bless them. Congratulations, Spraggy and Marley. Uh, I'm just wondering, should I feel comfortable taking credit for the relationship at this point? And look, the only reason I wouldn't is because sometimes relationships end, but marriage is forever, right, James? Yes, that's what it's meant to be anyway. It doesn't always work out that way. There are always caveats and legal documents, but I think you can legitimately take credit for this one. If you made the introduction, if you brought these two people together, um, I'd like to think that you'd be invited to the wedding. Yeah, I was. Well, I'm, I've already written a speech, so I better be invited to the wedding. Um, I just feel with the way I run. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to put anything. Negative. Uh, speaking of how I run, uh, I bubbled both both my tournaments again last week. Um, so that's good. That's I'm on like nine to ten weeks in a row. Where I finish. How did in this places. make it into poker news? How is your run bad? How is your losing flips now qualifying as actual news? Do you want to do it a whole segment about it? No, and also I have to be kind to you today. Oh, That's I'm right. so sorry, Joe. I, I really right. hope that things turn around for you soon. Me too. Um, did you watch Daniel and Doug at all? I didn't. Do you know what? I find it really hard to take any interest in this. I don't find these kind of things particularly interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm seeing the conversations about it. I'm yeah. seeing the results, but it just does not appeal to me in any way. I watched the live portions on Poker Go or Portion, I should say. It was interesting, entertaining. You know, I'm like a little too close to it. Like, you know, I've been friends with Daniel for a long time. I've never really liked the Daniel Doug relationship. No, I haven't. I I've I've I I hate their discourse um and because of that that's why I don't find this particularly appealing. Yeah. Um so I, I don't even really know the results of the online portions. I saw one snippet of something that said Daniel's not doing well but he's not. That's that's not surprising. But that's only to be expected. It's only yeah. to be expected. Uh, and the only other news I have is that every single day, Norm McDonald texts me to ask when they're playing next. And every day I send him a link to Daniel's Twitter. Well, at least there's <laughs> someone who cares. Uh, I guess the biggest news for us personally is that EPT Retro finally came to an end. And we did say from the offset that we would never go beyond the end of season seven. We're going to stay true to that. It's done. It's dusted. I guess it would have made more sense for us to just do it as one single series from the very first episode through to that Champion of Champions event in Madrid. But the reality is Blooming Stadium series got in the way, didn't it? So we had to finish EPT Retro early in the summer, but we came back with the last six episodes and it was great fun to relive some of those events from season seven. We talked about London last week. Um, the last few streams, we covered off Berlin and Madrid, both the grand final main event and that cock event. Um, and one guy who was a big part of all of those shows, Berlin, the grand final and cock was Ben Wolanowski. And so I thought it was a great idea that you had, Joe, to see if we could catch up with Ben. So we're going to hear from him in just a moment. And I think that's going to put the perfect footnote, if you like, on EPT Retro. But yeah, I thought Berlin was a fun event. I enjoyed, I hope you did too, Joe, revisiting that event in Madrid, including the infamous Ivan Freitas angle shoot hand. Yeah. And is it fair to say, because I think we set this up at the start of the stream, but never really returned to it afterwards. Did you have a newfound appreciation for the cock? I did actually, because 
So when we first, first of all, what I wanted to say was doing EPT retro uh, now in hindsight in the rearview mirror was an excellent sort of view of the evolution of poker on TV. Also, that by the time we got to Berlin and Mer Madrid, it seems like we're seeing tournament poker covered the way I'm used to it being covered. Yeah, and it was kind of cool to experience sort of like the rumbling, stumbling, tumbling coverage of the beginning to like the pretty slick polished let's tell a story let's build characters let's go to the outer tables covers that we had by the end of uh, the i shouldn't say the end by the last epts that we covered for the first time and seeing that pretty much exist by season seven that was really cool for me yeah. uh, now for the tournament sorry the cock the champion of champions event i had almost no appreciation for this event when I covered it, it was like my second ever show or run bit of shows yes. uh, doing commentary for the EPT. And it didn't, none of these people, very few of these people meant anything to me. Liv Bury meant a little bit because I knew her personally. Um, Kevin McPhee, I guess I kind of knew personally, but like for the most part, I didn't know what a big deal Vicky Corn was. I didn't know what a big deal Roberto Romanello was. Uh, even Ben Wilanowski, even though he was American, um, he was a much bigger character on the European poker tour than he was on anything I had seen before. And so now, having seen all of them and many of their wins, not all of them because they weren't all televised, yeah, uh, I had a much better appreciation for just how cool the Champion of Champions event was. Uh, at the time, it was just a bunch of names I didn't know playing a, a hyper turbo. And um, it just didn't really click for me. And getting a chance to see everybody it was kind of like a, a really fitting end EPT retro, honestly. Yeah, I agree. It was like, like a reunion show. Yeah, exactly. And I do think the perfect postscript is to speak to the guy who we saw win EPT Berlin in April of 2011, make a deep run in the grand final in Madrid a month later, and be on the first feature table for that Champion of Champions event. Let's hear from this week's guest. Let's bring Ben Wilanowski onto the stream. Poker in the ears. Thrilled to be joined on the podcast this week by an EPT champion. The weird thing is we've just been living in 2011, right? So we think this just happened yesterday. It actually happened nine years ago. Uh, ben Wilanowski, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Um. I do feel that we're kind of like we've missed the news cycle slightly, that we really should have done this interview like straight after your Berlin win, straight after your deep run in Madrid in 2011. It's kind of like uh, to ask you about something you won nine years ago feels slightly weird. I, I think it's great personally because I get to like relive my glory days a little bit. I haven't been playing poker at all this year, so I get to like think about some hands and stuff and and really just you know pat myself on the back a little bit which i think everybody needs all the wins they can get in 2020 so yeah well the bad the bad news is that we we're not the kind of show that asks you about hands although if you have oh, okay. one you want to talk about our fans are probably no dying. not at all okay not good at all. we're not I mean, really a strategy show there's people out there that do that way better than us um but I don't I, think strategy from 2011 is super relevant anyway okay great <laughs> then let's talk about that first uh how do you think you would fare these days? Have you been keeping up with the game? Do you think uh, you would be the same player you were in 2011 or do you think you would match up or where in between? Um, I think it's really, really challenging to evaluate um, 
where I'm at. I mean, I haven't, I have not been working and a lot of these guys are putting in work. So I can't, having not done that work, I can't evaluate how well they're executing on these, you know, these strategies that are kind of converging on optimal. Um, having said that, I've had a couple of successful years. You know, I had a successful year basically uh, every year since my first attempt at retirement. I was did well in 2018. I did well in 2019. Um, I think that probably around 2011, I was kind of in the the A tier, like the really excellent, but not in the conversation for best in the world players, like just the right right below the that conversation. And probably now I'm I would say I'm solidly in the B tier. You know, I think I can I can still hold my own. Um I'm still uh I still have the skill to evaluate a hand and, and figure out what's going on. And I still uh am strategically I, I'm not on the cutting edge of it, but I'm I, I'm still able to compete um, and you know uh, give people a tough time of it. So um, I I don't think that I'm in that that conversation. I don't think I'm pushing the cutting edge of poker anymore, and I don't think I ever will be because I don't want to be. But um, I I still feel comfortable that I can jump in games and uh, and make some money if I need to. <laughs> So you mentioned that uh, you're you're you had an attempt at retirement and then had what I can contextually. This is, this is, I'm on my like fourth retirement. Right. <laughs> what what keeps bringing you back? Oh, uh, really deeply burned neural pathways. Um, <laughs> it's you know it's been challenging because um, every time that I try to step away from the game. I've tried to step away from the game and I've tried to step into uh, sometimes I've tried to step into challenging things or sometimes I'm just trying to step away from the game and take time off and without anything to fill that time up, you know, like it's, it's such an automatic process for someone that's been doing it for, you know, I mean, I've been playing online since 2008 or whatever. Uh, you know, so for someone that's 10 years of just like, all right, it's Sunday. I'm going to sit down at the computer. I'm going to fire up all these tables and let's, let's, let's make this happen. Um, it's hard to not have something else. Um, I think there was, I think Garrett Adelson was on another podcast. I can't remember which one talking about how it's easy to say, I am going to give up X, but it's hard to say, I am going to replace X with Y. Or maybe the other way around. I can't. But like, if you don't replace poker with something, yeah, it's just way too easy to get sucked back in. And then, and then, it's hard to make the decision every day to not play poker. And if you, if you don't make that decision, if you just kind of go into those automatic processes that have been burned in from ten years of playing online, it's going to suck you back in because it's so easy to access all the time. So you have to make it, you you really have to make the decision every day to not play if you want to separate yourself from poker. It's not enough to, you know, think, oh, I'll just take some time off and see what happens. Going back to the beginning, Ben, you said you've been playing online since 2008. Obviously, we've just been watching you play live in 2011, three years on. Are the rumors true that you genuinely had a fake Hendon mod page that people had set up displaying the fact that you had not had a live cash before that win in Berlin? The, I, I, is that 
fake. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that Hen and Mom page absolutely exists. I had a Hen and Mom page with zero zero uh caches on it i guess not fake uh, but no one else has a blank page right they don't normally even recognize a player until they've had a live cache yeah i i don't know i don't know how i do not i would love to find out the story behind that of who set that up because it wasn't me but um yeah i ended up with one and then i ended up also with a hit and mob page with just like one seven figure score and then i went and <laughs> fucked that up and had like a bunch of small other caches i should have just I should have just uh, ended it there and given up on live poker, rolled out on top. But what are your memories of that event? Because we've just watched literally Berlin and Madrid back to back. So we see you have a win. We see you have a pretty deep run in the grand final. Obviously, straight after that, there was the Champion of Champions event, uh, which you got to play yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so I have. There's a lot of memories uh, rolled in around that. Um, obviously, there's like hands I played. There's I, I don't know if the champion of champion if you've watched the champion of champions tournament, but like the hand I played with Youp is obviously a huge thing yeah. that I just like. It not only is it a memory, but it just every like year or two years it gets cropped up on like the amazing poker hands. Can you believe he did this? Um, <laughs> and, and so. Um, I'm really glad I won the tournament because I would fucking be just uh, <laughs> I, no, it would it would it would eat me out from the inside out for the rest of my life if I hadn't won the tournament that he that I just like opened my mouth in the middle of that hand and gave him the stuff he needed to make that fold. Um, so uh, I have one memory. This is a really vivid memory of like um, obviously after I. After I won, I went out with some friends, had a few drinks. Um, but I woke up at six in the morning the next day, just crystal clear, just no, and just like um, almost euphoric. Like I was high off of not chemical substances, but just whatever my brain dumped in, just a combination of relief and elation and whatever, whatever hormones are running through me. And I just walked around Berlin at six in the AM, six in the morning, and I looked at the sky. And it was like a more pristine blue than I can remember ever looking at any sky. And then I wandered around for a bit and just, I just loved that day so much. And I think that that euphoria lasted a couple of days, but I have one really vivid memory. We went to, uh, I went to the Berlin Zoo with McLean Carr and Anton Wig. Um, and we, we were walking through the, uh, the pen where the lions are and they keep the male and the female lions separate or they keep the male lions. I mean, they keep, they, they had the lions separate and one of the lions kind of like did a low kind of guttural growl at another one. And that lion just roared back. And if you've ever been to the Berlin zoo, we, I think we were inside at that point. And it's like this long concrete hallway. So the acoustics are incredible. And the wow. roar just like shook everyone. And it was just like a, such an awe-inspiring, spine-tingling experience. And so that's that's really, those are my favorite memories of, of that was like, oh my God, my brain was like so, because I, I had really had a lot of trouble with my mental health up to that point. And like for a day or two, I got to live without anxiety, which was just an incredible, just a weird experience for me. I was like not worried about anything for a couple of days of my life. 
And I think I've had like one more day since then where I wasn't worried about anything. I, I can I would contend that if those are your two best memories from winning that poker tournament, that probably poker is not for you. You know what I mean? Like that if what you take away from it are is actually things that happen off the table and you're not obsessed with what happened during the game or this move you made or the clattering of the chips, I, I think that you're probably um, doing the right thing. It's by interesting looking it's elsewhere. Interesting that you your word choice because obsessed actually has this is something that i learned through uh therapy it has a different meaning in mental health and i would say that i am obsessed about hands that i play and an obsession is a persistent unwanted thought so if i you know like make mistakes like again that you can if i hadn't won that would have just been replaying in my head for years and years probably still to this day um so I, you know, I, I, I definitely know that poker isn't for me and I've been just kind of trying to, it, it's hard. It's really hard to move on. Being out in the real world is much, much harder. Uh, I'm sure you guys, you, you guys grind harder than probably I ever did at poker. Maybe not ever, but, but for most of my poker career. Uh I wanted to ask about your um, personality at the table, right? Like, obviously, you're constantly joking, uh, very confident, bordering on overconfident at times, I'd say. Um, And when you're doing that, is that just purely natural in the way you come out? Or were you trying to have a personality, trying to have a thing? Or is that just you? No, no, it wasn't. But it wasn't. I don't think that's my natural personality either. I think I'm generally actually pretty um almost reticent i think that was that was a product in berlin of anxiety that was my anxiety kind of acting up and i needed an outlet for it there was also there uh, there was one thing that i think was a natural part of my personality which is like i do i do have a lot of empathy so like when you was really tortured and was like talking about hating himself i really like in that moment i didn't want him to hate himself i was trying to you know i think that and I think I said this in one of the interviews during during the uh, the tournament, but like it's probably better for me when someone's like miserable and and balled up and and thinking about a fool they made to just say nothing and step on their throats and just yeah uh, just let them be miserable and let that misery lead to a mistake. But I just I don't have it in me to to sit there and watch people suffer. You know, especially at the time, I was just like. You know, poker's a fun game. We're all here. Have fun. Challenge ourselves. See, you know, see who can play the best. And and um, I didn't want people to be like. You don't want to cause pain. Like no, I don't. I like. I really. I want it to be like as pure a competition as possible. I want like everyone to just. I, at the time in 2011. Now I just want all the fucking money and who cares? <laughs> I still don't want to see people suffer. But but like at, at the time, I just like. I really enjoyed the challenge of like, all right, you bring you breast, I bring my best. Let's see who's better on this day. Um, yeah. That was that was what I wanted. Was that competitive outlet more than anything? Revisiting these events, it's always nice to be reminded of stuff which I'd forgotten, having been there and covered it 
the better part of a decade ago. And the first thing, and I say this as a huge James Bond nerd, was your <laughs> fantastic selection of T-shirts. We had m different colored T-shirts with the Spy Who Loved Me poster, multiple co multiple versions of that poster. And For Your Eyes Only was the movie that was being worn in Madrid. I don't know whether you just like the posters, whether you like Roger Moore or like James Bond, but that was your choice of attire in both those events. Do you want me to go? Do you want me to go throw one on for you right now, James? <laughs> I got them still in the still in the drawer. Please you must take really me. good care of your clothes. You must you must dry them on the line. You can't put those uh, things through the dryer. I uh, you know I just probably haven't worn it in about eight years, but it's still it's still in the like fond memories drawer. That, that leads me to what I wanted to ask is that, look, you referred to this uh, as, as your glory days in 2011. What would you call today then? <sighs> um, I think today is sort of my, I hope it's my renaissance. I hope it's, it's a, a blossoming and a, a pursuit of something new. Are you guys getting dog in the background? Should I close yeah, the door? Loving it. No, 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 absolutely. An okay. Animals, we, we love cameo appearances um, from animals. And so I, yeah, I mean, I hope that this is my my sort of second blossoming into something else. But really, it's it's quite a, an anxious time for me because I've never had to start at the beginning of something again. You know, I've only really, like, I really came into myself and became an adult through poker. Um and and so this is this is like the great unknown. There's this there's this, this chasm that I have to jump, and I don't know if I'm going to make it to the other side or not. But I hope on the other side is something even greater for me, and I kind of have to make that jump. I do want to say also I joke about those being my glory days, yeah. but really I my life has just been uh, I can't even describe how much better it's been. Uh, since I met my wife and got married, like these past seven years with my wife are better than everything that came before that. Like every day is better than any day before I met her. That's awesome. I'm a fan of your wife, by the way, Rada, right? Uh, occasionally we interact on Twitter and uh, I always appreciate her takes yours as well, although we don't interact that much uh, recently. Well, I'm on, uh, I, I'm on a social media sabbatical. I'm not on Twitter. I just you. saw your, I saw your DM in my, uh, in, in my mail, so I thought I would get back to you, but uh, I'm not doing social media. I'm not doing video games this year. I'm really trying to kind of uh, detox my brain from high stimulus activities and, and try to focus on uh, developing something else for myself. So what does that mean? That What do you replace it with? Books? Uh, yeah, I've been reading a lot. Uh, I was reading a lot. Uh, the, the library is kind of closed down for a few months here. And, um, so I bought a couple of books, but I slowed down on my reading. Um, but yeah, I've gotten through, I'm almost through the entire Game of Thrones, uh, franchise. I've read Low Stimulus there. Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, what else have I read this year? A lot of Legin. um, some short story collections of like the old masters, like Philip K. Dick, some Legend stories. Um, yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed reading. I've also been writing. I've been, uh, I found that after I did this detox for a couple of months, I just, I found a lot more joy in slower activities. Like I could go and like work in the garden with my dad and I really enjoyed that. 
Whereas if I had tried to do that before when I was playing poker, I would have just been like, all right, let's get this fucking over with so I can do something that's engaging. Um, and just trying to get out of there as fast as possible. So so the I think that detox has helped me uh, find some find some joy in the slower activities in life, which I, I really am appreciative of. I've discovered that stuff recently too, actually just doing yard work has meant a lot to me over the last couple of months. Like just, you know, just not itching to grab your phone and just being in that moment. Yeah. I think, I think too, that there's, um, so I mentioned, I read Mansers for meaning. I think there's something to be said for like an activity that has an end point. Um, I don't want to get too heavy on you guys, but there's this passage in Man's Search for Meaning where he talks about uh, sort of uh, days in, I hate comparing my life to this, but days in the concentration camp where every day was the same and it made time seem like, it made the days seem long, but paradoxically the, the weeks and the months and the years seemed very short because it was just kind of the same thing over and over. Um, and you got into these ruts where everything sort of blended together. And um, I think for a lot of, you know, a poker players, a lot of poker players will say it's all, all one long session. But if you treat it like that, uh, you know, a lot of poker, I remember long days, but the months and weeks just kind of flew by. Um, and I think, I think a lot of, it's not just poker players. I think a lot of people, probably with work that if, if you have work that you don't uh, that feels meaningless uh, you know, I, I, not that I've ever had this kind of work, but if you're, you know, whether you're a barista or whether you're, you know, like the corporate cubicle grind, if, if all your days kind of roll together like that, because there's no, there's no sort of goal or endpoint for the work. And it's just the work comes and you do it. And then the more work comes and you do it. Um, I think it, it does something to us. So you said yard work. I had a really good day um, this summer where I was like, all right, this is like the last warm sunny day we're getting. There's going to be two weeks of rain. And I just set up like, uh, I have a little storage space in, in, in our home and I set up like shelving in the storage unit. And it was like, I have a project, I have a beginning, I put it together. And I just felt so good about myself getting to the end and being like, all right, here's our storage. Everything's in storage. It's organized. It's put away. That's the end point. And you feel sort of a sense of accomplishment. I think um, a lot of, a lot of uh, stimulus activities, poker is one of them. There's no end point to Twitter. You can just scroll Twitter forever and, and, and get lost and just fall down a hole and it's miserable. Um, I think, you know, taking time for those things where there's there's an endpoint and there's a goal. And I also think if you're a poker player, celebrating milestones, you know, accomplishments. Um, but 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 just you know, just using the dollars to keep track of of to keep score to like win the game harder. Um, unless you have something really meaningful, like a meaningful project, like maybe you want to get even if it's just like you want to get a car or you want to get a house or, or whatever, whatever that money is building towards. If you don't have those milestones, um, I think it, it can be really sort of a miserable way to work. And, and I think that's something that I took away from that book and something that I'm searching for in whatever I do next. 
That makes sense. The one final thing I wanted to refer back to from the glory days, shall we call them, and from that final table in Berlin, something that I'd forgotten about until we rewatched the show recently, Ben, was Max Heinzelman, who, of course, yeah. we sadly lost three years ago and not only finished second in the event you won in Berlin, but then finished second in the very next EPT in San Remo, two back-to-back second-place finishes for six-figure scores. A phenomenal, phenomenal result. And it was it's always nice to be reminded of the people who were stars of the EPT those years ago who sadly are no longer with us. Oh, boy. Yeah, Max is, Max is really a tragic story um, in a lot of ways. Um, Sorry, guys. Give me a second. No, that's all right. um, It's probably not something you think about all the time, right? Because it's... Well, but also, it's more complicated than that because Max also had some some compulsive and addictive issues with gambling. And he actually ended up... um, He owed a lot of people, including me, some money. And he got himself into a hole he couldn't get out of, which is when you think about those two scores, it's incredible to think about... um, that he was, he was kind of at the, really right at the peak of poker around that time, and and still, still struggled with degeneracy, and and still struggled with, uh, with uh, a lot of things. So, um, Max is a sad story in a lot of ways, and I'm sorry he's gone, but it's not, you know. It's also not that fond of memory for for me because I thought he was a good friend and I trusted him and and how he treated me and how we dealt with that money really uh, you know left a sour taste in my mouth and I kind of always there was always a little piece of me holding out hope that he would he would kind of put it together um, and I just like I he, even even though he did me wrong. I was always rooting for Max. Yeah. And, and then his runway to do that just got cut off. And so we never had to have that cathartic moment of, of kind of coming together. I never really got to forgive him. Uh, I never got to, you know, uh, see him, see him overcome like I hoped he would and see him put his life together like I hoped he would. Um, so yeah, um, really, really a sad story, uh, and uh, I, I I can't say I miss him because of how we left things, but um, yeah, I just wish he got more time. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, I mean, I wish he had more time before I even heard this, and now uh, even more so. Uh, you know, it's a slightly sadder story than even I knew. And I'm, I'm sorry that you guys never had the chance to patch things up and that you didn't get to see your friend finally get his act together the way you would have wanted him to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's just, we only, we all only have the time we have. And so I think we just, you know, if there's a change you need to make in your life, so you got to make it because you never know, when it's going to be too late for you. That's kind of a heavy note. Can I tell a funny Max story? Well, if sure, if you've got a funny one, I, I, I needed some kind of segue because I usually end the interview with like a very dumb game and it didn't really seem like the right opportunity. So if you have a way to bring things uh, up. It's, it's not a very 
safe for work. Funny story. Is that okay? I mean, we have an uncensored podcast. If the if the higher ups really hate it, they can chop it out. So okay, all right. So um, after Berlin, Max and I were actually roommates in San Rio. This isn't like that funny a story. I just want to tell this story because this is uh, one of the memories I have of Max. And it's also like he's not a very he doesn't come off well in this story either. But uh, the night before San Remo, uh, we had like the two twin beds. I woke up at like two in the morning. And he's just like in his bed on his laptop and just pounding it, just going to town. <laughs> he just whacking off. And I wake up and I there and I just like, I don't know what to do. So I just get up, I get up and I just like walk to the bathroom and close the door. <laughs> and just I just stay in the bathroom. This should be like, you in here, by the way, not 20, me. Yeah, like a little bit of decency. Come on, like go to the back. You, I get, I get it. Sometimes you have some anxiety. You need to sleep before a tournament. It happens to the best of us, by which I mean me. Uh, but I go to the bathroom to crank off when I have a roommate. Um, so that's that's yeah. That that's is a great. That's, a, that's a perfectly good uplifting glory day story, which is going to lead us nicely into the stupid game I prepared for you, Ben Willanowski. Right. This game is called Glory Days, and it, all it is is trivia about various other things called glory days. They're multiple choice. You okay. should be able to suss them out. Question number one, the TV show glory days actually never had anything that could be considered its glory days because it was only on the air for a matter of months. <laughs> Which of the following bona fide glory days filled projects was not also created by the Glory Days show creator, Kevin Williamson. This question is far more complicated than it needs to be. There's two, story. What am I describing okay. here? Glory ben, Days ben. projects? Ben, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna break down the question to, to its, its, its essence. You, okay. Joe's gonna read you a list of four TV shows, or okay. uh, TV shows or movies. You have to identify the one that was not created by Kevin Williamson. Correct. Okay. That's Here it. Here we go. All the rest of it is just pro. All right, go ahead. Here go. are your choices. Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Dawson's Creek, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What does created by mean? What's his like role? Like producer? Like like or? created the, the, the uh, entire idea. Oh, well, Buffy was Joss Whedon, so I'm going to go with that. That is correct. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not created by Glory Day's creator, Kevin Williamson. Question number Dawson's two. Creek? Dawson's Creek is kind of the odd one out there, right? Like the others call, yeah. have kind of got tone. I don't know. I mean, anyway. for, for, for many people did find Dawson's Creek horrific. So I guess it kind of sits comfortably along the other two. teenage angst. Okay, yeah. But but there's that in Buffy too. Anyway, anyway right, let's get to the next why question. I thought I it was a, so was a far. Feeling question, good, boys. Question number two. John Sales directed Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days music video. Which film about the glory days of baseball did he also direct? Ooh. Was it Field of Dreams, Eight Men Out, Bull Durham, or Major League Two? Uh, I'm. This is harder. This is like a one and in four instead of a three and four. Well, if you think uh, about it, there's really only two of those choices that could be considered I, the glory days of baseball. Yeah, I guess I'm going to say 
Bull Durham, but... Bull Durham is incorrect. Yeah. Was it Field of Dreams? Aitman no. out was the one we were looking for there. Oh, Aitman out I, about the Chicago Black Sox scandal. Question yeah, number three. I, I, I had no idea. I don't... I'm not a baseball guy. That's baseball. right. There's actually one that I think you may know very well coming up here. Uh, not this one, though. Uh, question number three. Not to be outdone. I don't know why I start with not to be outdone. Glory Days was the name of the fourth studio album by which British girl group? Was Ooh. it Little Mix, The Saturdays, The Spice Girls, or Francine? I, I'm just going to say Spice Girls because I don't know any of those other groups. I'm guessing it's wrong, but... Do you want to Hector a heart again? Uh... No, not really. I just want okay. To, I, I just want to take my L and move on. We're moving. We're looking for a little mix. Moving on. Here we go. I would have what known that one. What is the slogan of the franchise chain restaurant Glory Days Bar and Grill? Is it a blast from the past today? A lot's changed, but our food hasn't. Every day can be a glory day with a winning attitude, or try our glory sauce. <laughs> I hope it's that last one. Uh, I'm going to use that one in bed tonight. Um, <laughs> oh, I've forgotten the other three now because I was just laughing at Glory A blast sauce. from the past today. A lot's changed, but our food hasn't. Every day can be a glory day with a winning attitude. I'm going to say a lot's changed, but our food hasn't. Numbers one, two, and four were all made up by me. We were looking for every day can be a glory day with a winning attitude. That is definitely, by the way, the worst of the four by far. Yeah, I, I thought for sure that that was like... Uh... Uh, and by the way, glory sauce is real. They do have glory sauce <laughs> on the menu. Is it? Can you order it to Canada? I think you can, actually. Incredible. All right, I'm going to go find me some glory sauce. Really my glory day. <laughs> Ben, just three questions left to go here. Question oh, number five. Christ. What is the business? This is the correct response, by the way. What is the business you'll find at the other end of glorydays.com? Is it greeting cards, baseball cards, credit cards, or niche pornography? I'm going to say baseball cards. Baseball cards is close. Greeting cards is what you'll find okay. at the other day of glorydays.com. Question number six. Glory Days Fine Goods is a store in Vancouver, Canada. Really? A, All right. A vintage clothing store. Which of the following items is not featured on their homepage? A Michael Jordan Washington Wizards jersey, a vintage Insane Clown Posse t-shirt, a pair of Jenko jeans with dice on them, or a Vote for Pedro t-shirt? I'm going to say the Wizards jersey. The Washington Wizards jersey is, in fact, there, and it's quite expensive. It's like $84. Vote for Pedro is what you will not huh. find right. on the Glory Days website. I just messed up. Last question here. You made it. All right. What am I, the like one for seven? 
Yes, which is by far is the not the worst test I've ever, ever done. done. Fail in my life, by the it, way. It, it, <laughs> it could be worse. You could be zero. Correct. Uh, last one here. It could be worse. There could be five more questions. That's right. There could be one more question, but luckily there, I mean, two more questions. Let's go. I said there's Let's only go. one. All right. The 1995 film Glory Days, spelled D-A-Z-E, stars what poker playing A-list celebrity? Is it Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Tobey Maguire, or Don Cheadle? What year was this? 1995. 95. I'm going to say Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire is incorrect, keeping things right. consistent here. We're looking for Ben Affleck. Ben Wilanowski, we have relived your glory days way more than you could have possibly wanted. I'm so sorry, but thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. So let's keep things European Poker Tour branded. EPT Retro is done. EPT Online is underway. The series started last Sunday. The live streams started on Wednesday. And Joe, as you highlighted, at the top of this podcast, we did our first EPT Online stream with the final table of the 10K High Roller. It is a good thing that we're not making TV shows out of these final tables because we wouldn't have enough footage to make an hour-long highlight show out of yesterday's final table. It was really, really quick. I think it's one of the shortest streams we've done from one of these online events. And actually, I think you summed it up perfectly at the end of the stream. I kind of was a little bit pissed off about how it ended. And do you know what? I think I would have been fine with it if it had happened in a stadium series event. But because it's an EPT, because we're yeah. meant to be taking this as seriously as we would uh, an actual live event, and there's an actual EPT trophy and result attached to this, to see it end with two players chopping it, which is fine, but then agreeing to just go all in blind until one of them took down the additional 10K just felt a little bit disrespectful but then i think you were right in the sense that look if that was the norm if we saw that every day of the week that would be bad but as a one-off as something different it was quirky it was unusual i mean and the flip side is and i didn't really take this into account one guy had 160 big blinds one guy had 100 big blinds if they had played it out we'd probably still be on air Yes, well, no, it could have gone hours and hours. Um, and also, one other thing to mention is that, yes, it's an EPT title. It's a high roller title, though. It's not a main event title. That's true. Now, it doesn't, it's not that less than. Now, if that happens in the main event, I agree. It's kind of like, uh, we wish you know there was a little bit more gravitas, a little bit more reverence for what's happening here. But I thought not only was it different, but to see it play out in the chat box, I thought was really cool. Um, and as poker people, James, I think that your sensibilities could be slightly more offended than when I told my best friend, hey, here's what happened at work today. 
uh, these two guys decided to split the money, but they still had 10 K to play for. And they decided, Hey, let's just like keep moving all in to whoever wins. He was like, what? Yeah. 10 for $10,000. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I I think it's very important to keep it in perspective. And as Sam said last night, Sam Grafton, who was meant to be one of three commentators who joined us on last night's stream. It was meant to be Sam Griffin and Maria, but there wasn't enough time to introduce Griffin and Maria. Uh, Sam said that in the grand scheme of things, you know, yes, $10,000 is a lot of money, but it constitutes one buy-in in this high roller. And in the grand scheme of things, just didn't make it worth these guys playing out. If they were, look, if they're in the Sunday million and they were still playing for a hundred, whatever it is, $150, $110, whether the Sunday million is now, we wouldn't think that much. Of no, it. Of so course, that, of it makes course. sense from that perspective. And I think there's another important thing to highlight. And um, the PokerStars blog team, as ever, doing great coverage of one of our series. And they did a piece yesterday about like some of the weird stuff that's happened in high roller events at actual European poker tour stops. And I was reminded of what happened in Prague a few years ago when, do you remember there was that really weird deal where Will Kasuf basically gave up a ton of equity because he wanted the win so badly, I guess because he really wanted the trophy, wanted to be an actual high roller winner, was maybe hoping that it might lead to some sponsorship deal somewhere. And many people feel that he bought himself that result. So it's not like weird stuff that goes against the spirit of the game hasn't happened before in an EPT high roller. And you are 100% correct. It's not a main event. And therefore I've kind of moved on from it now. Um, And of course we now move on to new things. By the time people are able to listen to this podcast, uh, we'll have done the 1K arena championship final table. We'll be preparing for the 25K super high roller. But yes, The main event is where it's at. Whenever we stream from a live event, I'm always most excited about the main. And I love the fact that with that tournament, it won't just be the final table. We'll do our mid-series, or sorry, mid-tournament to final table coverage, including the bubble. Oh, yeah. World-famous bubble coverage coming up. So, like we said, it'd be like them um, flipping for a Sunday Million ticket, which, by the way, we may be giving away right now. Superfan versus Stakes. Well, this week's Superfan comes from the United Kingdom. Please say hello to Alex Gray. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. Alex, what's up, buddy? I'm a little disappointed you're not Alex O'Gray, who is a a very fine-looking female poker fan, but it's okay. She is indeed. It's... uh... Not easy to uh, confuse us, actually, if you uh, see me and see her, but uh, yeah. You know her? Yeah, I um, I think I might have found her by Googling myself, in all honesty, and then... Uh... Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I have not Googled her. I'm past that point in my life. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. I got some... I I'm, I kind of feel like I might have to duck. Uh, I wanted to talk about The Office for a second before we get to you, Alex. Uh I used to think that the Office UK versus the Office USA was a flip. And now I think it is a it is a pure domination in favor of the US Office. This was much harder to get through this time around. I did not get through all of it. Um I only got through later the first couple episodes of season 2. Um and I it is undeniable how groundbreaking this show was. And how mind-blowingly tears down my face hilarious it was in 2003 when I know it was in 2001 and it came out, but like in 2003 when I finally saw yeah. it, um, and just 
pave the way for things like the U.S. office, for Parks and Rec. Since then, it really does not hold up for me. I had a really hard time. The parts of it that I thought were like crying hilarious are now just sort of like, oh, really just cringe? Yeah, it's an interesting observation because uh, two things to say. First is that I outsourced the quiz to Patrick, our former intern. And Patrick is a huge fan of the show and says he's watched it multiple times. But Patrick, being diligent, said, well, knowing that all the episodes are on Netflix, he'd rewatch it again before compiling this quiz. And Patrick said he had to do that in multiple sessions. It's not a show that is easily binge-watched. But apropos of that, before you even got in touch with us, Alex, I tried to rewatch it from the beginning and I couldn't even get beyond the first episode, not because it's not good, but because it is so painful. And I kind of agree with you, Joe. My overriding reaction to it is not one of, ha ha ha, it's like, oh, oh, it's just too close to the bone. And I think most of us have at some point in our lives been in a working environment like that and sadly have worked with people like David Brent. Yeah, we don't laugh at those people anymore. We now, you know, mostly pity and or like there's nothing like about likable about them anymore. Whereas at the time, jokes about that sort of thing were still kind of funny, even though we knew they were wrong. And now we're like, uh, even this. So, Alex, I've talked nonstop. Please wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, The Office for me, I uh, I do agree. It's uh, it's tough to watch, kind of sit down and watch all in one go. It is so painful and i think as you said we've all or most of us have worked in that kind of environment and you can kind of identify which one of your colleagues is the brent which one of your colleagues is gareth and uh, yeah it's all a bit too bit too close to home i remember when i first started watching the office it was before i actually worked in one and then when i got um, you know started working full-time and then i realized this is actually a bit too a bit too honest for its own good really it's uh, you kind of you work all day then you come home and put the office on and it's like no i can't be watching this it's not too late to change your name if you want to say that you do work for david brent <laughs> i think i think it's uh, probably best i'll leave it there just in case my <laughs> colleagues do uh, do decide to download the podcast well, if you think about what's happened in 2020 and the changing landscape of how and where people work people are going to look at this show in five or six years time and say What's an office? That's that's fucking true. I said that to my fiance actually. I was like, remember that building I used to go to every day? So uh, yeah, yeah. A, bit of a, a bit of a throwback. Maybe. Fiance, sick brag. Tell us, tell us about your life. Yes. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, I uh, live with my uh, fiance Natasha. Uh, we've got a three-year-old son, uh, Francis. Uh, give him a shout out, and uh, I'm sure he'll be listening after, uh, after we've downloaded it. Um, yeah, and as I say, I used to work in an office, and currently on furlough for a um, travel company. We uh, organise school oh, trips wow. abroad, so it's not um, not an easy time to be working in the no. travel industry. For, so, uh, yeah, a bit tough at the moment, but other people have got it just as bad, so I can't complain too much. Well, we all hope that the end to this is nigh. Um, I mean, I. Over the course of the last few months, have you had the chance, I guess, to do more activities, pursue hobbies, play poker, watch poker? Well, yeah, I mean, poker is one of the uh, big ones. I mean, my poker story, if um, if I can tell it, is sure. um, it's going to be similar to a lot of people's. I think I first kind of got into it. I mean, back in the day, watching late night poker and uh, yeah. thinking, what's this? What's this strange game? There's five cards on the table. <laughs> you know, this this isn't what my dad taught me when I was a kid. And um, and then obviously after the um, kind of poker boom and money maker and uh, and all of that, I remember getting kind of really big into it. 
um, back in the day when it was uh, the Devilfish and uh, yeah. the Hendon Mob and all of those names. And um, yeah, and I kind of, um, I used to play kind of live semi-regularly. I used to play in a pub league and things like that. They all sprung up overnight. Um, there was that one Christmas where everybody got a poker set. And then um, I kind of fell out of it a little bit. I don't quite know why. And then since uh, since lockdown, I've kind of picked it back up again um, started watching all the old EPTs on YouTube. And I've got into the Twitch streams, uh, obviously Spraggy and Finton. Cool. And, uh, the, the EPT retro I've really enjoyed. So yeah, it's, uh, I've kind of got back uh, back into it over these last few months. Cool. Well, we're going to give you the chance, Alex, to win a $109 Sunday Million ticket and a Poker in the Ears t-shirt. Um, Patrick has compiled 10 questions. I think it's important to point out that the quiz is in chronological order. So for your benefit, Joe, if you feel that your knowledge of the show is stronger in the first season, the early episodes, you might want to go low. Uh, There are random bonuses attached. The usual rules apply. Two points without the options. One point if you need those multiple choices. And you only get the bonus question if you get the main question right. Otherwise, the bonus automatically passes to your opponent. Those are the rules. Those are the regulations. No more caveats. Alex, please give me a number between one and ten. Okay, well, I think I've got to start with uh, it's always coming seven. Number seven. What song does David Brent put on after he's given his motivational speech? Uh, That would be simply the best. Simply the best for two points. No bonus attached to question seven. So, Joe, what number would you like? Question one, please. What fake reason does David give for firing Dawn? Stealing. Correct for two points. And there is a bonus attached to question number one. What was she meant to have stolen? Post-it notes. Correct for the bonus point. You're only down by one point, Alex. It's still early doors. Anything other than one or seven? Uh, Number two. Number two. Who photoshopped the pornographic image of David? Uh, That was his good friend, Chris Finch. Chris Finch for two points. Joe, what number? Three, please. (laughs) Question three. What instrument does David play to the group during the training day? Guitar. Correct for two points. That means you have a 5-4 lead. Would you like question number four by any chance, Alex? Yeah, why not? What is the name of David and Finchie's quiz team? The Dead Parrots. Correct. And there is a bonus question attached. I need the full name, by the way. Uh-oh. They then perform the Dead Parrot sketch taken from which TV show? Uh, Monty Python. Full Keep going. name. Full name. Uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Correct for the bonus <laughs> points. So you now have a two-point advantage. Uh, Joe, it's your question. Uh, question five, please. Question five. What town, or what branch rather, does the Slough Branch incorporate? Swindon. Swindon for two points, and there is a bonus question attached here. Who is the boss of the Swindon branch? Neil. Neil for one point. Okay, so that's the first half gone. Uh, six, eight, nine, or ten, Alex? Uh, go number six. How does Simon the IT guy tell Gareth he almost died? 
Oh, during um, go karting down at Supercarts. It was indeed for I'm two points. Joe, eight, nine, or ten? Fucking, there's. I didn't know six, so eight. I'm totally screwed. Uh, eight. Eight. Who does Keith dress up as on Red Nose Day? I'll take the choices because I think I might get it with the. Okay, Santa, Austin Powers, Ali G, or Ringo Starr. Ali G. Ali G for one point. We have a tied game going into the final round. It's nine points all. So nine or ten, Alex. There are no bonuses with either nine or ten, so it's completely fair. Okay, I'll take uh, take number nine. Number nine. What's the name of the single that David releases? Uh, if you don't know me by now. For two points. So you know the rules, Joe. You need to get the next question correct <laughs> without the multiple choice options in no order question, to Joe. tie the game. <laughs> I really can't wait to take this $109 ticket away from a furloughed, for a guy who's been furloughed for the last eight months. <laughs> Name one of the other contestants on the dating celebrity appearance that David does. Um, Stephen Toast. No, the answer was Howard from the Halifax, which means the game <laughs> is over. And Alex, by a margin of two points, it was close. You managed to squeeze out a victory. You are going to get the T-shirt. You are going to get the $109 Sunday Million ticket. Uh, thank you very much for picking this subject and allowing us to have a little debate about the merits and the legacy of The Office UK. Thanks very much for coming on the show today. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, my babies. We're almost out of time for this week's show. Now, I I could not have scripted this any better. You remember how we were talking about what a mistake it is that my DMs open? Yeah. Literally, while we're recording the show, I get this message. Oh, I can't read it all. I did way too long. Oh my god! It is. Oh my god! I can't even. I can't even read parts of this. It's someone begging for money. Okay, that's all we need to know. And I mean, it is again, so long. Again, it's a I huge feel sob story. Validated in my decision to have my DMs closed. Huge sob story, and then at the end with a lot of bank details. I will. The last message is, I will return your money once I got my job. Please trust me, sir. Um, Please trust me. Joe, it is National Kindness Day, so maybe. How do I close my DMs? I think I'm just going to lock it up. I should have just fucking locked it up after Linda. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, Linda, by the way, Linda, if you want to be a super fan, yes. get in touch with us. You know how to DM me. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are always on the lookout for super fans. Uh, we said last week, already considering applications for 2021. We've got to start planning, Joe. We've got to start thinking ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of thinking ahead, coming up on next week's show, uh, we will be recapping as much of EPT Online as we can, uh, hopefully talking to one of the winners. We'll recap uh, all of it because we're going to be recording on the Thursday, yes, so it will be done and dusted. Right. Um, I also, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we are two episodes away from our 200th episodes and i'm episode. sure we've got many people who still listen and subscribe to this show who remember our 100th episode yeah we did it as a live show at the hippodrome with a live audience and 
at the start of this year, we were aware, because, you know, you see how many episodes you're going to be producing in a calendar year. We were aware that at the tail end of 2020, we were going to hit episode 200. And of course, we had every hope, expectation and ambition of doing the same again. Unfortunately, stuff doesn't always work out. And for the same reason that we're not going on location with the EPT at the moment, we're not going to be able to do a show in person. But I hope, Joe, we can do something special to mark our 200th anniversary. We have got some surprises lined up. I've got, I got a couple of dominoes set up. Two have fallen already. One of the big ones has already. Uh, as far as poker names go, I think we got maybe the biggest you can possibly get. So uh, pretty excited about that. We should be able to tease a little bit more about it next week since it'll be the, the, the pen ultimate show before the two i don't know what to say the 199th show nine nine exactly uh so we'll be able to talk a little bit more about it next week maybe even drop everything to get people hyped up as james mentioned still accepting super fan applications only linda may dm me about being i I don't necessarily think joe that you can actually verbally ban people from dming you i think you actually have to go into your settings yeah, well, I know I'm going to get a lot after this show. I'm not I'm not reading them, guys. Don't don't send them to me. What I will read, though, is if you comment, like, subscribe to the show, that is the best way to get our attention. Leave us a glowing review. Make sure this show reaches episode number 300. But for now, for episode 198, that is all the time we have got for this show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>